This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 349. And the quote of the day is, don't let anyone make you be who you aren't. Stay true to yourself at all times, even when it's not trendy. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, and this is another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Happy New Year. It is January 1st, if you're listening to this when it came out, and I hope you had an awesome holiday. I hope you had an awesome uh, New Year's Eve, and now it is back to business. It's 2018, and we're picking up right where we left off. We're coming in hot with this one. This is a conversation with Varro Johnson, and I am super excited to have him. I've been trying to get him on for a while. He is a monster of a player. He is wise beyond his years, and you know him with the gospel work that he does, the clinics that he does. He works with Layla Hathaway. I mean, the man does it all. And like I said, is definitely wise beyond his years and shares a ton of insight. Uh, A lot about about respecting the music, a a lot about going after the things that, that you think are right for you and staying true to that, staying on your course and all of those things. So an an amazing conversation and I'm super excited to share it with you. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with the one and only. Varro Johnson. Varro, thanks so much for being here, man. Oh, it's great to be here. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I, I want to publicly apologize about my lack of understanding of apparently how time zones work and scheduling. Uh, <laughs> no problem at all. No problem at all. <laughs> you know, I've only done, whatever, 300 of these, so... Uh, you know, maybe with the f- one once we get to the five hundredth one, I'll figure out how time zones work. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it, man. <laughs> well, I do appreciate you being here. I I do appreciate you, uh, you know, being flexible with scheduling and all that. Uh, I I want to I want to build a little bit of backstory for the people who may not know who you are, may not know you know where you come from. I know that you're you're a Chicago guy. Um, you're born and raised in Chicago. Born and raised in Chicago. Um, uh, by my mom. My mom' uh, name is Shirley Johnson, and uh, her and my father, uh, Rudolph Dudley. So I was born and raised in Chicago in a small town like Maywood, Illinois. And um, so born and raised there, I started playing drums very young. I started playing at the age of three, and um, I started in, in my church, New Mount Mariah, um, and they gave me an opportunity to start playing with the youth choir of the church. And um, it started from there. My love and passion came from there, watching my grandfather. And I'm come from like the quartet background, which is kind of gospel, but more, um, more of a quartet background. So it's, um, it's been a journey. It's, <laughs> it's been great. I started this very young. I had an uncle before me uh, by the name of Earl. He played drums at the church and uh, he was very inspiring and influential. And we want to become a drummer. And then once I started studying videos, and different drummers, and <laughs> I started growing musically, it, it, it just took off from there. So let me ask you this, and this, I don't know if this is a coincidence or there's something to it, but it seems like cats who came up playing in church all started at a very young age, Uh like two or three, right? (laughs) And I'm, and I'm like, I'm guessing you're not, you weren't playing in church at three, but is there, is that just, I mean, is it a coincidence or is there something there? Like, is there a reason why, and it seems like it's just guys who come up who who come up playing in church 
you know what? It's not necessarily a coincidence. Sometimes it happens like this. You know, church is getting ready to start. Sometimes the main drummer is either running late or um, he's not there at all, can't be on time. And sometimes you're the little guy, you're the little shorty around the church and you fill in and noodle in with the drums. And sometimes it comes from what everybody can see the passion when you're able to try to keep a beat. Right. So we can keep a consistent beat. Then you have people in the church like, oh, you should let him play. Well, let him play. Whatever. So it starts very young. I started on my grandfather's lap at two or three. I, I ended you. up starting being able to play. I couldn't reach the pedals like I was supposed to around five or six. So they were still holding me sometimes, but sometimes I had to just either stand up and <laughs> kick the pedal and then play everything else, hold my hands up very high and try to hit everything else, <laughs> you know, within time. But, you know, that that's how it kind of happens in the, in, in the church, in the church world, you know, for us and, I, and definitely our culture. So it's a it's a situational thing. I'm thinking like if you're you know they say you're you're the the uh, the average of the five people that you that you spend the most amount of time with. So I'm guessing and correct me if I'm wrong. You're you're spending a lot of time in the church. Music is part of the culture of church, and Absolutely. you are just naturally even if you're not going to be a drummer or even if you're not going to be a guitar player or a bass player, you're still as a as a young. Uh, you know, as a young kid, a a curious kid, you're gonna pick up drumsticks. You're gonna pick up an instrument, and absolutely. And if someone Without sees a, a little bit of that spark, they're like, "All right, this this kid really wants to do this. Let's nurture that." Yeah, yep. And my family was very; they were very patient in helping me uh, me nurture that. I um, didn't have a drum set right away, even mm-hmm. when I was young. So <laughs> my grandfather, my grandmother, and my mother—I I drove them crazy. I stood up in a pantry. And I would play on the shelves right. for hours, for hours after school, hours and hours after school. I, I never forget. I was so afraid. I beat up my my grandfather. He had a ceiling fan and he had a box in the pantry and I beat the, um, the box so bad I could actually see the ceiling fan blades through the <laughs> from the outside of, you know, looking in. That's how bad I had beat the box up. But <laughs> <laughs> that was my everyday routine. And so I got a, a, a real drum set. You know, They're like, we carpet. need to get this kid a drum set. Yeah, the pillows, everything. I mean, right in there while my grandmother would be cooking, I would be going for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just going for it. And, you know, they, they never really was like, stop it. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. So, you know, they had, they, I grew up with a very patient family. They could see my, my passion and compassion for what I was doing. Right. And I think it speaks to the passion of you'll, you'll find, so, you'll find a way, right? You'll yeah. either, you know, I know when I started, I had, a kick drum and I, I literally used a chair as a snare drum. You know what I mean? Because I didn't have a <laughs> snare drum. And yeah. and if you have that drive, if you have that passion, then you you know you'll find a, a way to either make sounds or or you know make a beat or put a drum set together until you know maybe someone caves and gets you a drum set or something. Yeah, no doubt. Even with me, when I had to be silent or quiet, I would grip my teeth together in tempos. Mm. So even when I'm sitting quiet, I'm always thinking about a new beat, um, something else. Or I can be playing a full song with my teeth and nobody will ever know it. Sitting next to me, you will never know it. Right, right. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's crazy. When you have, like you said, you have the passion, you have the drive. <laughs> it's in you, you. Some type of way you have to cultivate it. And it's good when you have family that supports you. So how do you start to cultivate that that talent? Or let me let me rephrase that, that drive, that, that skill. Um, cause I think a little bit of playing is talent. And then I think it's the rest of it is the talent or the skill that you develop from that talent and that passion. 
Um, Absolutely. So how do you, how did you develop, how did you go from being this passionate young kid to actually being a player and being, you know, not even necessarily a professional yet, but actually just a player, a guy, a guy who's taking it very seriously and who's studying and, and really learning. I think it started the breaking, the, the turning point for me was when I watched, um, my uncle used to study this, um, this VHS tape, um, drummer by the name of Dave Weckle, um, back to basics. For those of you who don't know what a VHS tape is, it's a, uh, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Um, so once I press, I was coming in the basement once, one, uh, one time after school and I pressed play on the VCR and, uh, I seen this, this guy just playing these songs and it's back to basics, uh, tape and it, that pretty much changed my life. <laughs> that it was that, like that, I, I have that to tape work. is insane. It's insane, especially for me being 1989 and the stuff he's playing right, even still to this day is still current. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. That's that's what really that was my breaking point because I was into sports a lot when I was younger. So I was always playing drums. I was always in church, and then I got into basketball. So I was either going to try to pursue a basketball career or I was going to really dive in head first and just want to be a drummer and, and play drums. And, it, and at the time, I didn't really realize how much of a career I could have being a drummer. I just know the feeling it gave me playing. I knew the feeling it gave me being able to make a beat, being able to like shift the atmosphere or a crowd and be able to play something in tempo or something really nice that can make everybody be on one accord. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So that's, that's, that's what did it for me. So seeing that tape, um, after that, it just it made me practice like a maniac, just like a, every time I had the chance, you know, whatever. I was always studying that because Dave taught on a lot of things. He taught about tuning. He taught about placement. He taught about, you know, all those things, you know, of course, uh, playing with a click tempo. He talked about all those things on there. So and to be honest with you, I didn't get the tempo thing until even years later after that. Huh. It wasn't until I was challenged to do my first I did my, I did my first recording at 13. Right. We didn't use clicks or tracks and stuff like that. So that wasn't as challenging. But then when I, years later, when I was about 17, 18, I recorded with this choir and it was my first time playing with, with drum loops. And that was a big breaking point. That was, <laughs> that was like, that was the big make it, make or break. <laughs> and how, how'd you do? I was horrible. I was terrible. <laughs> um, it was one, of the, <laughs> it was one of the worst. Don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> oh no, no sugarcoat. Not, because you know what? I, I feel like, if you're not transparent, you can't help somebody. Man, I'm all about transparency. So I, you know, I appreciate it. Yeah. People have to know you came from somewhere. Yeah. Whatever videos that may be out there, maybe circulate with me. I haven't always been this drummer. I had to cultivate into becoming that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you start somewhere. So that was my first time. I never forget, never forget I was in a uh, session rehearsal. And um, a guy named Tony Russell was producing um, this choir, Mark Casson and Jess McQuarrie, uh, were recording. And I'll never forget. And then Calvin Rogers, he was on that. I'll never forget. He was on that um, session with me. So this is my first session. But of course, he had already been recorded. Mm-hmm. And um, did you know Calvin forget. at the time? No, that's my first time meeting him. Oh, that was intimidating. And, um, huh? So, you know, of course, that was scary, too. Of course. And um, then you realize he's like the nicest dude in the world. And you're like, exactly. Oh, OK. Right. <laughs> so uh, Tony at the time was like, all right, you know, Varl, you know, he was really just bringing me up. He's a bass player of mine. Tony Russell plays, played with Jay-Z. He's played with everybody. He's from Chicago, too. So. And um, we've all been affiliated with kind of like the same churches, kind of came up the same way. And he was like, man, I really, you know, I want you to be a part, you know. So he was really instrumental in trying to help me. So when we started the first song, he turned the drum loop on. And I was like, okay, what is that? What am I supposed to do with that? So I'm supposed to play these song arrangements with this drum machine going. (laughs) (laughs) 
it was like the most confusing thing I have ed- had ever did in my life. Like I'm used to creating my own tempo. If I speed up, I speed up. If I slow down, I slow down. You know what I'm saying? So um, eventually as the rehearsals went, went on before the recording, I got better. Mm-hmm. Um, the recording came out and I, you know, I did the best I could with what I knew, but after, right after that, I bought an MPC. So I would never, I, I made sure I would never let that happen to me ever again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just practice, practice, practice with it. Practice, 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 practice. And seeing inspiration, seeing how those guys are moving around and doing live recordings and all the stuff they were doing and then building loops and building tracks and all stuff. I became inspired by that too. So at this point we go from my first live recording 13 and I do my second one was really, was really live but with all the instrumentation and everything. And, um, that's, you know, those two breaking points right there. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny that, that we're bringing this up about working with the metronome and, and Calvin, because Calvin and I talked about, um, he's been on the podcast a few times. And one of the, one of the conversations that we had was about, about practicing with a metronome and literally setting it at, you know, at 60 beats a minute and just playing a groove for 20 minutes and then changing it to 62 and then playing a groove for 20 minutes and then 64 for 20 minutes, you know, and just, and just nonstop just working with that metronome, but not because I think a lot of people go, they'll play at 60 and they're like, okay, I got it. And then they'll go from 60 to 90 to 120. Right. Absolutely. You know? Yep. And that doesn't really help being able to control body movement. Sometimes, Tempo is a lot of muscle memory. So you, you get comfortable the more you do it. Mm-hmm. So when you show up on shows, or, or, you know, I hate to call them gigs, but you show up on certain situations. and, um, and <laughs> why, do, why do you like calling them gigs? Well, you know, just you don't want to seem like the normal, uh, well, I'm just doing this gig. You know, every situation is not necessarily built like a gig. Right, right, you right. Know, sometimes it's more than just that. Because gigs are just, I feel like gigs are just short term. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, in most cases, you know, they are, but in some cases, you know, sometimes you build a family on gigs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I've been on I've been on situations where people are like, all right, cool. Well, here's the music. Uh, learn this. And then we get there. Here's the clicks, uh, the metrodome. And sometimes either you're running the tracks or somebody they're coming from somewhere else. And <laughs> you have to play that music like you created it with those clicks going with those with those horns, those strings, with the background vocals and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. And if you don't do that stuff and practice and, and, and nail and nail those, that type of behavior, that type of muscle memory in the basement where nobody's watching you, you won't be able to del- deliver it live. Right. It's just not going to work. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what that breakdown is. Like, why do we think that if we don't practice it in the practice room, it's just going to happen on the bandstand? Like, well, I don't, just to, just to keep it honest with you, a lot of, a lot of people are lazy. Yeah. I a lot, agree of, a lot of people are lazy and they have this preconceived notion of, Social media. I feel like social media should be used for one or two things. It should be used to be able to broadcast some things about yourself without having everybody having that common thing with you where they have to have your information, your telephone number, your email. You can get certain things out there. You can, you know, pretty much uh, highlight yourself and, and things in your your careers or whatever it is that you do. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to just be do with music. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are just using it to get attention. Right. So they're practicing just enough or they're emulating people off YouTube just enough to say, I'm just as good as this guy. But it's not really a love and passion behind it. It's more of a I want to outshine whoever this person is, whoever the, the best is out, which which that doesn't exist because everybody can play. Right. So you do it for likes and comments, but you're not really putting real work in, you know, when it when it counts. And that's when nobody else is watching. Right. Because people can always tell if you're pre- prepared or not. 
and they can always know if you're putting in work outside of <laughs> seeing them or not. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's a different culture now. So everybody's like, oh, I got it. I can handle that. I can do it without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how challenging it is until you get there and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't practice on the gig. Right. Right. I, I mean, I call I call those people headline readers, you know, or like <laughs> I, it's like, you know what I mean? It's it's like surface learning where yep. it's one thing. It's one, like I, I, I like I'll, I'll use this example just because it's an easy one that everyone can understand. But it's it's one thing to learn how to play a paradiddle. It's one thing to be able to play a paradiddle like Steve Gadd. Absolutely. And he can, you know, or a figure, right? And he can play it inside out, upside down, backwards, frontwards. You know, he can play it to any melody, to any, you know, any rhythmic situation that he's in. He can play that stuff musically. And absolutely. And that take that. I mean, I agree with you. People are lazy. Um, it's It's hard. It's hard work. It's not, you know, it's not easy. It's frustrating. It's demanding. It takes discipline. It takes focus. You know, yeah. all of, all of these words that are that are easy to say and hard to do. Yeah. I feel like one of the hardest things about being a musician is we have control of our own time. Mm-hmm. So just say if you sent me a, a list of 10 songs, you say, I need you to know them by Friday. It's up to me how prepared I want to be. Right. So if you give me the songs today, I don't wait until Thursday night to learn all 10. <laughs> right. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's, it's just too much ample time. <laughs> so you have to really be disciplined <laughs> to know. I was like, Thursday? What about yeah, Friday morning? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, what about There's Friday a whole morning on Friday I could learn the well, tunes. Well, at 10, you, you wake up at 6 trying to learn 10 songs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, it's impossible. You can't pull that off. It's just, you know, some people are just great like that. And, you know, of course, the people that read and all that stuff, they don't need to be as detailed. Mm-hmm. But I, I get it. You know, if, if you can read, if you can chart it out, that's one thing I learned from um, a mentor of mine, Kahari Parker. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's able to pretty much split his brain a bunch of different ways because the ability for him to be able to chart, the ability for him to be able to retain, you know, retain music and be able to play it like he's been playing it all his life. I, I learned a lot, you know, yeah, just yeah, by yeah. watching him, and he's put me in certain situations, and you know, so that that's really one of my like my, one of my drum heroes. He's from Chicago as well. Yeah, he are you buddy? You know, Felix. Paul. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. Felix. Yeah, yeah Felix is a good buddy of mine. I love that dude. Yeah, Felix uh, is great. <clears throat> and coincidentally, I uh, Kahari, I met him uh, in LA. I just like randomly bumped into him uh, at this spot in LA, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" I was like, "You're Kahari Park, right?" This was years ago before I even had the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, just an, a great dude, and we chatted drums for for a little while. But just like you know, a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah, absolutely, man. One of the greatest guys, seriously. <clears throat> so, how do you think? What's your advice for developing that focus? And that because here's here's the the reason why I ask because I hear it all the time. I'm sure that you hear it too. Man, I'm dedicated. Man, I want it so bad, and I want to I want to do all this stuff. And you know, I, I'm like, I, I, it's my passion, it's my destiny, and everything. And it's like, then why are you playing video games eight hours a day and watching TV and and sitting on on the internet instead of practicing and honing exactly. your craft and being disciplined and being focused? So how do you? because I'm a natural procrastinator, right? And it took me years to not become one. Right. Um, so I have my own thoughts on it. What, what's your advice for developing that that discipline and that focus and that that dedication to, to playing and honing your craft? My, my advice for that is having a laser focus and seeing, seeing where you want to be. You have to study what you want to become. Mm-hmm. I learned that years ago when I was able to, to accomplish a few, the first couple of things in my 
career. I used to study these videos. I was like, man, I want to do that one day. I want to play like this guy. I want to play like this this guy. But I want, you know. But I realized in order for you to be able to see where you're going, you have to already be ready before you get there. You can't prepare once that level comes. Right. right. So I, I would say I I would say it's a, it's a divine line too between passion and skill. Some people are just blessed and just born with skill. They can they can just do it without it. They can see it one time and they can play it right back. Mm-hmm. But do you have the passion to wake up at three in the morning, catch a 5 a.m. flight? You land at 730, you know, eight o'clock, go to the hotel, drop your bags, 10, 11 o'clock sound check. That may last three or four hours. You get back to the room one, two o'clock, you know, probably can grab food. Showtime is at six or seven. Then you right back on the flight back home, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to <laughs> you have to play these shows and be a person like you're super, superhuman, like you don't get tired, like you're mutant almost. Right. But that's that that's passion. Passion outweighs the skill part of it mm-hmm. and being a professional. So I would say from the from the beginning, from the drum board, you have to practice. And it's, it's bigger than just uh, playing drums. You have to practice who you want to become, too, because we have a lot of guys out here can play circles around some of the greatest guys, but they're idiots too. <laughs> you can't talk to them. You can't coach them. They don't want to come to rehearsal. They want to show up late. Just, e- now we, just ego or? or yeah, uh, the ego, just just all of it, just all over the place. So I would tell any musician right now, be humble and make sure you're doing it and you have the passion to, to play drums, whatever, whatever instrument you're trying to play. Just make sure you're doing it for all the right reasons. Right. I remember watching a clip of you saying about people's egos and how they're, um, you know, they're, it's sort of getting in every, getting in their way and it's not doing them any favors. And, and, you know, you're, you're always trying to, you're always trying to outshine someone or compete with them. And that's not the, that's not the approach you should be taking. That's not the approach. That's not the approach at all. So I would say from the beginning, make sure your heart is in what you're doing and make sure you have enough willpower, enough zeal to withstand all the negativity that comes with trying to do this because, Man, I had so many broke days. I had so many down days just trying to, you know, play around the city. And, you know, I didn't have money for clothes, barely have money for gas, you know, but my, I let my passion keep me going. Mm-hmm. I let my passion for where I felt like I was headed and the faith in what I had in God to keep me going. So you have to build a relationship, first of all, with God and build some faith there. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to do this, he's going to. You know, he's going to lay out a plan. It's not going to just happen overnight. And that's another thing I think I, I get frustrated with, the, with, you know, with the culture of now. You know, when I felt like I should have been doing things, certain things or in my early 20s, it didn't work out for me that way. Right. So I had to sit back and watch other guys be blessed to get early tours and stuff like that. But what God did show me in that, and I'm not even trying to take this in, in, in a deep way, was you can't compare timelines. Right. You got to just work in your craft and do whatever, especially if you want to create longevity. Anything that happens overnight, you had to be like really scared of because that doesn't create longevity. Because mm-hmm. if you get it too early, you're not going to appreciate it. Right. And I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, the reason why you weren't excelling the way that you thought you should be is because you probably weren't actually putting in the work, like actually putting in the right work. What do you, you think? You know what? It, honestly, I, I feel like I was putting in the right work. I just felt like it wasn't that time. I don't I, th- I don't think mentally I was ready. Mm, okay, I got you. Skillfully, I believe I was ready. But okay. mentally, I wasn't ready. And I, I, I knew some peers around me and I knew where my faith lied in God. I knew he felt like if I got out there too soon, then I would already feel like 
You know what I'm saying? I was headed somewhere that I wasn't actually headed. I right. wouldn't have worked as hard as I've been working the last five or six years to get where I am now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just just being honest, just just yeah. keeping it real. I feel like I, you know, skillfully I was ready, but mentally, because sometimes on the road, you know, and, and, and doing certain things, because I'm, I'm doing R&B, I'm still doing gospel. I finished up uh, Layla's tour, mm-hmm. and then I finished up the gospel tour I've been doing back since May, and I've still been doing live recordings and gospel and records and stuff like that. To be able to mentally wear one hat and wear another is it's kind of challenging. Right. You know? And you always always have to deal with MDs, uh, producers, and stuff like that. You you have to be humble enough to realize that you're not going to always get it right. Right. Is that is that one of the biggest challenges of staying humble and, and not taking those faults to heart and realizing, hey, man, everybody makes mistakes and, and you know, yeah. we you got to keep yeah. going. That's the main key. Keep your attitude in check. That's the main key because people don't want to be around people that they can't they can't coach or they can't produce. That's one of the main things. So as you're developing and getting better, making sure your attitude is growing with your skill. I would say that. Mm-hmm. And I think you know whether it be whether your faith is God or the universe or karma or right. I don't care which right. way you look at it. Um, you know, for anyone for anyone listening, that I believe that there's. You're not going to be put in this situation if you're not ready for it, exactly. right? And Period. and I think God knows, the world knows, you know, the universe knows when you're ready and uh, and and when you're not, and and will hold you back if it needs to, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel like now the culture thinks holding back is hate, right? I think because they're not doing certain things, people are hating on them, and they don't realize. That's what I mean by the separation between compassion and why are you really doing it? Are you doing it for attention to be able to take selfies and say, Hey, I'm out working and doing this. Or do you have the compassion because music just make, it's just your whole world. Mm -hmm. The world revolves around music. There's an author, his name, his, uh, his name's Austin Cleon. And he has a quote that I love. And he says, everyone wants to be the noun, but no one wants to be the verb. And what he means by that is everyone wants to be a writer, but they don't actually want to write. Right. They don't want to put in the work. <laughs> Everyone wants to be a professional musician, but they don't want to be a professional musician. You know, like right. they don't want to put the work in of what is required to be. They just want to, like you said, post pictures on Instagram. Yep. Oh, I'm out. I'm on tour. Check me out. But they don't want to actually do all the stuff that's required to get there or maintain that or, or actually, you know, put it, do the, do the actual work that's required. Yeah. It's, it's no, it, it's, it's no shortcuts to the work. No shortcuts. Right. You you gotta you gotta take the stairs. You can't take the elevator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You the, gotta take it one, one stair at a time. Yeah, yeah. And everybody wants the not everybody, but a lot of people want the the quick fix, the microwave mentality kind. And of thing. and I get it, but you you know what's 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 taking place is because you see so many people in the generations of everything. They're so good, so young, but there's so much more that comes with it besides just sitting down playing. Right. Right. So much that comes with it besides. But I would say. Just always, you have to put the work in. Don't ever think you can escape the hard work because mm-hmm. there's no escape for it. You have to do it or you'll see your, your career take certain turns and however much work you put in, that's however much you're going to get back. Right. No one that you know who's had massively successful careers has done it without putting in work, period. No, no, nobody no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Nobody I know. Some of the laziest guys, the homies, that stuff that I got... <laughs> 
They're at home still being lazy. And in their mind, they're good. Right. <laughs> right. You know, but nobody I know, nobody I know, you, you, you know, you can't escape the work. Mm-hmm. There was something interesting that you said about before about being a professional athlete um, or, or that you were interested in athletics. Yeah. And I don't see a big difference between being a professional musician, being a professional athlete. I actually had um, Christian Kierksey, who's the starting linebacker of the Cleveland Browns. I had him on the podcast. Um, he's a he's a drummer as well. And we were talking about the parallels and, you know, all of those things that you do to, you know, to become Kobe Bryant or someone like that and all the work that Kobe put in after he became, you know, after he signed to the NBA, that's the mark of a, of a true professional, the person, you know, you would mention getting up in the morning and flying here and doing a date and flying home. And I also wanted to add something to that of, okay, are you willing to, you know, you have to be at work at eight o'clock at your day gig. Are you willing to get up at three 30 in the morning and go practice for two hours and come home and get ready for work and go work your nine to five and come home at work at night or, you know, and practice at night as well. Like, will you put that work in? Will you put that time in? Absolutely. And that, and that's the thing that, um, people don't even realize and know about me. I, I went to, I went to college. I tried to go to college. And, um, once I got the call to, to go on the road with, um, a certain artist, I was about 18 and 19. I walked, walked off the college campus mm-hmm. and, um, never looked back and not saying that I won't ever go back to school, but I knew then, that was my way of, okay, okay, the, the work I've been doing even at this point is starting to pay off. Let me make sure I'm cultivating for the next level. Right. And after that, even once that happened, I still end up having to get a job. Right. Man, so people, people, yeah. don't, people think that like if you uh, – and I've uh, – you know, I've, I've been talking about this so I'm blue in the face. But people think that like if you have a day gig that you're not successful or you're not a professional no, drummer. That doesn't mean that. That does not mean that. That means you're just that. waiting on your time. Right. And who cares? Like you may you may work a day gig the rest of your life. Who cares? Right. Why does it matter? Yeah, I agree. You know? I don't know. That's just my opinion. I don't know if everyone agrees with me or not, but like <clears throat> if you're, you know, everyone sits at home not gigging wearing it like a badge of honor like oh, I do is pl-. I mean you know, I know plenty of guys who all they do is play music for a living and they make, you know, $150 a week. Right. Yeah. I'm like, go get a job. <laughs> Absolutely. What's, what's the difference? I mean, why does it matter? It doesn't, it's not going to change the way you play. It's not going to, you know, I don't know. That's just my opinion, I guess. I'm not sure, but. No, no, that's, that's, that's true. And I, and I believe people are looked down because of everybody's not going to have the same luxury as you. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you can't look down on people based off where they are. And sometimes they may end up coming out way a little bit more higher than you because of the extra work they've had to put in. Right. That's the things they've had to sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know. I mean, look at Eric Hernandez who plays with Bruno Mars. I mean, you know, like he was a cop and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And was playing on the weekends and all that stuff. And he and Bruno were playing together and you know, now look at him. Yeah. He's great. One of the best drummers in the world. Yeah. And he's touring years at a time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yep. Yep. That's just amazing. That's just amazing to see. That's what I mean by everybody has a story and you just have to figure out how, you know, who's going to be the author of yours. Mm-hmm. And so either you're going to sit back and, and, and be lazy or sit back and talk about somebody else's story or you're going to create your own. Yeah. Yeah. Gerald Hayward and I were talking about, about, you know, touring and, and playing professionally and, and, 
you know, playing in stadiums and all that kind of stuff. And he's, he's said this, basically the same thing that you're saying is like, Hey, you know, everything isn't for everyone. Right. And some, you know, some are made, some people are made to be out, you know, playing with, you know, Justin Timberlake in front of 50,000 people. And some are made to be playing locally and, you know, supporting their, their local music community and, and, and everything in between. And no one thing is right or wrong or better or worse. It's just, it's just the path of your life. Yeah. And I feel like this, this is how I honestly feel. This is from my heart. If, if, if it's not meant for you to be out playing in front of 300,000 people a day, okay, that's fine. But don't make it seem as if those people that are out that, that are blessed to be out there doing it or blessed to be out there working are doing something else underneath sideways to get those type of opportunities. It's just not meant for everybody. So you have to make whatever you're doing, just make it as big as you can. You know, for whatever you know, whatever you have going on. You so, what, what do you just, mean? What do you mean by that? In terms of sometimes I've I've heard stories about oh man, you know, you don't know what that guy is doing to play those type of gigs, or you got to know the right people, or you know, I'll never get put on anything like that. It's it's not always. You know, sometimes people feel like it's it's relationship affiliated, which which sometimes it is, but sometimes right. <laughs> people don't want to accept that they're just not ready. Right. Or they're a jerk or no one wants to work with them or they're negative. Nobody wants to work with them. You're negative. You want, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes they'll make up stories. I've heard some of the craziest stories. You're not going to believe like, you know, guys are just, you know, out here blackballing other guys or undercutting them. Certain things like that. It's like, don't, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy that just, you know, wants to put your mouth on everybody because they have, you know, you, in your mind, you think it's a better opportunity, but it, it, it doesn't always have to be like that. I'm the minister of music. You know, I'm a music director at my church. I love being at my church. Right. Even though I'm on the road, I'm traveling with different artists. I love being, you know, at, at my church. I feel like a lot of my blessings, karmas, all stuff come from how I decided to be faithful and stay faithful to my pastor at my church. Right. So right. now he's blessing me with other things because he can trust me. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Sure. Of course. But, uh, you know, other people look at things like, well, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not out there like y'all, you know. Like, man, nobody's looking down on you, you know? Right. It's, it's, you know, it's all right. Yeah. Everybody have to come from somewhere. 100%. I worked, I worked with a guy for many, many years, uh, extremely talented musician. And he had, he had done major tours back in the day, all sorts of television appearances. He was, you know, he was doing it, like doing it, doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's older now and he has like a really bad, ego and like he does he just doesn't get those calls anymore no one wants to work with him and and everyone i know who plays with him he has an issue with every single one of those people wow. you know he fires everyone and rehires them and fires them and and <laughs> you know and and it's always everyone else's fault wow you know and i'm like why that's why you're that's why no one wants to work with you because right. you're negative, it's never your fault. You're, you know, you're, you have an ego. That's why the big tours stop coming in. You know, it's not a, it's not, you know, it's not a mystery of why no one wants to work with you anymore. Absolutely, especially <laughs> you if know? you're somebody who has had those those opportunities, right? You know, and right. don't get me wrong. Everybody has their season where you know the time is up. It won't last forever, but you have to make, you have to cultivate it and, and, and build relationships. You know. To keep to you know keep working even if, if it's not stadiums if it's if it's just clubs if it's just churches if it's just you know gospel concerts whatever it is you know mm-hmm. smooth jazz whatever you know I don't you know and that's another thing I would want to tell the musicians don't limit yourselves too because I, this is the point I wanted to make if we're all chasing the same dreams 
then <laughs> if we're all trying to go out and play pop, then who's going to be the person that masters how to play jazz, gospel, record, R&B? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If we're all crowd, crowding up one market. Right. And, and that's what I mean by the drummers are all competing for the same type of gigs. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, they there's only so many gigs. You know? And you have to realize what are you great at? What is, what is, you know, what is your special thing? You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their special thing they're just great at. Brian Frazier Moore is just pretty much phenomenal with any pop gig there is in the world. Right. Period. Right. You know, we all know, um, it, it, you know, like Kahari, he's out with George Benson and doing Raphael Sadiq. And, right. You know, he was playing with Desi's Child back in the day. He mastered those things. Right. You know what and I'm here's, saying? here's the one thing that I, I just, I'm sorry to interject, but I want no, to add this to what you're saying. Is that if you want a pop gig, guess what? Brian Fraser Moore is your competition. Yep. Think about that. Like, are you ready to go and you you want to square up with Brian Fraser Moore for this gig? You better you better bring your A game. You better bring your A game. I don't know. You better bring your A plus game. <laughs> you I better yeah. Know. You better bring yours and somebody else's. <laughs> and that's I don't know. I, but that's the thing. It's like that's the guy. Okay, you want to play with Stevie Wonder? All right. Well, then you got to go up against Lil John and Stanley. Stanley Randolph, them dudes are incredible. You know what I mean? Like that's like, what do you think? They're just going to step aside and let you, you know, let you come in. So for for the people who are saying, oh, I'm ready and I want to go after these pop gigs. Okay, well, there's your competition. Yep. There's the guys you got to be as good as. Go ahead. Sorry, I totally interrupted you and I apologize. That's that's the only point I wanted to make. Sometimes I feel like we crowd up the market by all chasing the same gigs. But you have to think you don't become who you become chasing what somebody else is doing find your passion find what you're good at you know right. find what separates you or what what's what people will feel like oh, okay well he stands out when he does this he's really great at this mm-hmm. you know so i feel like sometimes people are just chasing down somebody else's dreams yeah. and it's not their own and there's a lot i mean there's a buzzword going on right now about self-awareness but i think a lot of it comes you know self-awareness comes into play a lot of being you know like I'm never going to play like Brian Frazier more and I can chase it as much as I want. I'm just never going to play like that, you know? And I think the sooner we get there and realize who we are and who we're not, then the path becomes a lot easier. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Just like the names you just brought up, Stanley and Brian, two totally different people, but I love them both. Right. Right. I mean, even Calvin, Calvin Rogers said, you know, Mm -hmm. he was, he was on tour and who was he playing? He was playing with R Kelly and mm-hmm. and he was just like, man, this isn't for me. And everyone was like, what are you doing? You can't go play gospel music. You're not going to make any money. You can't make a career doing that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. He's like, that's that's me. That's who I am. That's that's what feels right to me. And look at him now, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, now he's Calvin Rogers. You know? Absolutely. He he paid. <laughs> he, he, he carved out that lane. Yeah. He carved out that lane from opportunity, opportunity, you know, record to record and like you say, look at him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, anybody that's when you're chasing somebody else, you are you've already lost. You yep. already lost. You have to realize what it is that tugs you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, gospel music tugged Calvin's heart, pop and other things. You know, that's Brian. That's Stanley's. That's Stanley's passion. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm in a situation. I'm doing gospel and I'm doing R&B, you know, and I'm doing this. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's my passion to do all of it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think so, that's. I think you got to go with, you know, 
what you got to go with what's right for you. You got to chase yeah. you, not someone else. Yeah, not someone else, not somebody else. That's what I mean by you and somebody else can't share the same dreams. Right. You right. Know, it's, just, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's I, not to um, bring up this, you know, my personal stuff, but I mean, I struggled with that for a while. I played for years. I toured all over the country. You know, I had a band that we built to a, a really big band. Uh, you know, selling out venues. But as I started getting older, like that band stopped playing. And then I realized I'm like, I'm actually better on the business side of things than playing. Like I still, you know, I still play, I still tour, but that's like my main focus is on other things. And I, it took me a long time to do that. But once I decided and realized, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be going. It's like, it just, it just gets easy. Yeah. You know, not easy. It doesn't get easy, but it gets, there's, it's, there's just less resistance. Yeah, yeah. You, you sometimes you had to hit a breaking point. You just have to live in reality, right? And right. Um, even if that's not something that you want to, um, you want to accept. Yeah. You know, and, and trust me, I, you know, with my own things, I have a nephew, uh, even right now, and I, I pour into him a lot because he's he's so talented, and um, his name is Jalen Crowd, and man, you know, the world needs to be looking out for him. And I also have another nephew by the name of Jerron. He's starting to play at my home church where I started, and um, these guys, you know. I re- I realize how even when you you know, realize I'm in I'm in a great season of my career and I, I I'm I'm praying to do bigger and better things. You have to pour into the next generation because that's the only way your legacy will live on. We mm-hmm. won't, we're not going to be able to play forever. Yep, yep. We're not going to be able to play forever. And so while I have the knowledge and I'm dealing with certain things and dealing with certain experience, I want to make sure that they don't they don't go down certain roads that I went down. Mm-hmm. So, I love the uh, I love that you call it seasons. Yeah, yeah. Because people think it's going to last forever. You know, no matter what it is, like the good times or the bad times, you know, the I bad, remember when the bad times guys time. playing and they were on top. Like to me, they were on top of the world when I was younger. Now, I don't even know what some of these guys are doing. I just, you know, and, and not that it's all easy for everybody else. Everybody's not going to make the right decisions or the best decisions to keep themselves relevant. But, you know, I, I do realize that this, this is what happens. Life happens. So you have to live life, you know. But why do you think those guys who were on top of the world then are not now. Do you think it's just seasons change or do you think it's, uh, you know, I have to be totally honest with you. I feel like when we, when we're in a good spot in a good season, we don't do right by investing our money mm. because it's not always about being on top as far as on top drummer, because that's going to always fade. Of course. But sometimes a lot of guys that you see, they've just fell off even living wise too, because they didn't invest the proper time, the proper money, when they were making the big bucks until the next thing in their life, investing into real estate. That's something I'm getting into right now. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Things like that, you know, you because in our minds, we think we're going to be this person forever. We're going to be able to travel forever, but you're getting older. Right, right. And, you know, the there's no residual. There's no mailbox money. No. Nah, you know? Nope. And it, I mean, it's even like pro athletes suffer from it and they make, you know, millions and millions, millions of dollars. And but one thing I do realize is when you're in that season, when you're in that moment, you're, you 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 make your bills amount up to that same thing. So if I'm making one hundred million dollars and I, but I got 50 million dollars worth of bills, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's all relative. Once my career slows down. How am I going to keep up with all that? Yep. Yep. Exactly. These guys buy houses and 15 cars and all that. And they're like, they think they're going to be making $14 million a year for the rest of their lives. And they're not. And I forget there's a scary statistic about athletes. And I think it's like something like it's high, man. It's like 38 or 48% of people of athletes who, uh, 
are filed for bankruptcy like five years after retirement. That's a big. Number. I mean, it's a huge. And I, I don't. I don't want anyone to quote me on that. I don't. I don't. I forget the exact number, but it's high. It's really high. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy because you know they just, especially like some. You know, you go in, you you become a professional athlete at 17, 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psh, somebody gives me twenty million dollars when I was nineteen. One word comes wow. to mind for me: asshole. Because that's what I would have been. If I got twenty yeah. million dollars when I was nineteen years old, because you, you, you're doing stuff and not even thinking about it, you <laughs> yeah. got money to spit out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I would. Everyone would hate me if I got twenty million dollars when I was nineteen. I would have no yeah. idea what to do with that money. And that and know? see that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. Sometimes, even though you were talented en- enough to deserve twenty million dollars, you weren't mentally ready. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. One hundred percent. I was actually just flat thinking about myself being 19 with $20 million. Now obnoxious it would be. Um, myself either. Nobody would be able to tell me nothing. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'd be smacking people with stacks of money. Um, anyway, uh, I wouldn't now, though. I would be, I would be, uh, I think I would be good with it now. So what's that Les Brown quote? Every, uh, it's something about being rich and it says, um, oh, no. Being rich won't make you happy, but let me try it out for myself. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. That's true. Um, so there was a, there was a clip that I wanted to ask you about, and you were you. It was a clinic that you did, and you were playing a tune, and you kind of said, "Okay, this is the wrong way to approach it, mm-hmm. and this is the right way to approach it." And mm-hmm. I think it's important because, especially from your upbringing, coming. Coming up in church, I think that a lot of times I'm gonna I'm gonna say this word gospel chops quote unquote mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. gospel drumming kind of gets a bad rap because everybody says oh that's just that gospel chop stuff and I'm like well you you know first of all you don't necessarily know what you're talking about but second of all I think it gets a negative um, a negative connotation because I think people automatically think that if you grew up in church you're gonna come on the gig and you're gonna overplay which I don't think is necessarily the case I think that's if you're immature, that's what you're going to do. Um, you know what? Absolutely. And that that name, that that mindset, even with people who don't mean any harm, it follows you. Yeah. It hunts you. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll just give you I'll give you a scenario. Um, the way the whole Layla Hathaway thing happened and I'll explain the, the, the video to the clinic thing. The way that happened um, came from Kahari Parker got a call to go out uh, with Layla by bass player and music director Eric Smith. Mm-hmm. He, um, Kahari couldn't do it, so he preferred me. So Eric, you know, we've always been cool, you know, very cordial, or whatever. But he didn't really know me, and all he knew of me were certain clips he's seen from me playing with James Fortune, um, certain clips we playing the, the tours with Sean Mitchell and Kiara Shear, and those things are just gospel chop heavy, right? So when you get ready to do a show, you know, play for a show like Layla Hathaway, it's more dynamic, it's more chill, it's more, you know. Whatever. So in his mind, he's like, can this guy play? Can he dump himself down and play like this? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he told me uh, the first show when I got in, he was like, man, I would have never thought you would be able to, with all the information and things that you have, you would be able to conform your mind and just be able to, to really sit in a groove and love it and make it feel just as good as when you, you know, you know, we know you have all that facility. So I was, you know, I will always tell somebody, know when to cut that switch off. Right. So people can really be like, oh, wow, this guy's a musician, not just a drummer. Right, right. You know, Why are so you, we you know, so you, fascinated with that stuff? Why are we so fascinated <laughs> with chops? 
Like I I'm am too, you, man. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the worst. I used, to, I used to be that way. And the reason I'm not anymore, because it all sounds the same to me. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Back in the 70s, Steve Gadd, um, all those guys, they were, they were doing this stuff already. In 70s and 80s, it's nothing new that we're doing that they have. They wasn't already playing. Right. Buddy Rich and all of them, you know what I'm saying? They were fast. They would, would have, That's why it's, it's impossible to say you're the fastest guy in the world. Right. And who cares anyway? Who, ca- who cares anyway? If you don't make music feel good, you won't get hired. Right. Period. Right. That's a you quote. There, that's hired. a quote. That's the quote of the of the century, right there. If you don't, you know, you're not going to get hired. Period. You're not going to get hired. I'm sorry. You may get one chance, but you won't come back. I feel like I feel like chops are chops are like pizza, and pocket is like vegetables. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, nobody wants pocket. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants the vegetables, but they're really good for you. You know what I mean? You not that nobody wants it, but nobody wants to practice them because you know it's boring sitting in the practice room practicing, you know, at 65 beats a minute for an hour. And, and, and you know, to explain further what I meant by the, the YouTube clip of the clinic I did, which I'm going to do more of those things. You know, I'm, I'm creating space and creating ways to be able to sit down and do more clinics and uh, workshops and stuff like that. I, I played an example to show them when I when I played it straight and how to come in. That's more of a producer way to think. When I switched and, and, and played all the chops, what everybody wanted to hear, everybody in their mind was like, well, that was actually kind of dope, but it's not the producer way to think. Right. It's more of a distracting way to come in a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was flashy and everybody was like, oh, man, that was cold. What he did, you know, whatever. Oh, that was great. You know, and I'm like, yeah, it is. But that's not what they want all the time. If you're in a situation where somebody give you the green light. Oh, that's great. Right. That's great. But make sure you're putting it, what you're what you're marketing now. Make sure you're marketing yourself as a musician, not just a drummer. Mm-hmm. Somebody who can calm down and play music. And somebody who can have a facility too, if it's needed. And the people who are really digging that stuff in the audience are the drummers. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what are yeah. some of the what are some things that that you struggle with now as a player, um, or, is it as, or in your career in general? Honestly, just for me, just you know, it's not even I wouldn't even call it a struggle. It's just um, making sure I I create practice time because sometimes when you're doing a lot of ripping and running and different artists and stuff like that, it becomes frustrating. Because you still need to rest, too. Mm-hmm. So I think my only struggle is I've had a struggle where I've kind of let my physical, you know, like my health and stuff kind of get get a little low. Right. From just ripping and running and doing everything else and whatever. So I'm going to point out where I'm building myself. I'm eating right and losing weight and all that stuff. That stuff is just more important as, you know, how well you are, you know, your outer appearance, all that stuff. So that the health thing would be one of my struggles. Um, and then just. Just practice time. I miss being able to just sit down and practice, but I, but I'm grateful for the work too. You know, right, right. And um, and, and sometimes struggling comes. I guess another struggle would probably have to be sometimes when mm, I, I wouldn't call it a struggle, but sometimes I think musicians need to realize when when to not talk, when to not give their opinion about certain things. Mm, like how? So so sometimes even if you're out on a show, you know, on a gig and Sometimes you feel like somebody that's, you know, maybe put in a position or something like that, that they, they really don't maybe know what they're talking about. You know, you have to get to a point where you can humble yourself enough and just let a person who's never been in that situation lead you. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's a fine line between being just, OK, cool, I'm going to listen to you, but um, do you really know what you're talking about? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that that, too 
can kind of be a struggle with, you know, what we do nowadays, because I feel like everybody in their mind think they really know what they're doing. So sometimes you can't let your seniority outweigh the position that you're in. You know what I mean? Right. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, that just, just being a man, it's, just to be real with you, it's, it's a struggle just trying to be a young African-American man in the world right now. Just period. Yep. It's a struggle every day trying to keep my head on straight. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a daughter I'm um, looking out for. So, you know, the struggle of that, the struggle of having to make make time for her. Her birthday's coming up next week, you know, things like that. So just normal struggles, just being, a, being an African-American you know, American male separate from being a musician. Right. And, you know, to, you know, to be transparent, like I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if I'm middle-aged or what am I like? I don't know. I'm 36, whatever that is. But mm-hmm. like, you know, white male, you know, grew up like middle class. And I realized that, that the climate of this country is, uh, is a lot different for me than it is for you. You know, um, right. I'm, 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 uh, aware enough to, to know that. Um, yeah. And so I applaud you for for pushing on and and realizing that that you know it's almost you know the odds are sort of stacked against you and you're yeah. and you're continuing to to flourish and to to push forward and I I applaud you for that because I don't know you know without getting extremely political uh, because we are this is a drumming podcast I think this is important to to at least mention that I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes and frankly right. I don't know how I would handle it. Absolutely. You know, um, so, but I also think that you have one of two choices. You can, you know, you can let it get you down or you can, you can flourish and prosper, uh, in spite of all that, which I think you've done. So I, I applaud you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's not, it's not easy. And I'll be honest with you. It's an everyday mindset and and a prayer every day to, to just keep your head on straight Mm -hmm. and just try to stay positive because I feel like the odds are kind of against against our our culture a little bit, and I'm not I'm not really into uh, like you say politics and racism and all that stuff. I'm I'm not really into that stuff. I'm gonna speak on a lot of stuff, right? Um, because I I do realize the world is what the world has always been. Mm-hmm. So I try not to let that stuff control me, and uh, but I always make sure I'm open enough to receive any type of relationships or whatever, or start any type of whatever, no matter who, where the culture is from. Um, but yeah. It, it's it's just struggle. Everyday life is just a struggle, and it's a struggle sometimes being a successful young black man. Right. You know, mm-hmm. more money, more problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of just course. being honest. Yeah. You know, I more money, more problems. The the silver lining in in it all is that us as a younger generation, like I'm guessing you and I, how old are you? I'm 34. Okay, so we're around mm-hmm. the same age. So mm-hmm. to me, the silver lining is that that people who are like-minded like you and I, and I'm guessing our friends and, and family and, and people who think the same way, um, we have the ability to change thing. And I think that the one, the one thing that I do see is that our generation is looking for change rather than, and is willing to do the things to make some change rather than just letting everything go on as status quo. So to me, I think that's the silver lining in, in the situation uh, that, that our country is in right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, on a, on a different topic, what, what advice do you have for up and coming players, up and coming drummers who are, are either struggling or are, you know, maybe feeling some of the stuff that we talked about before about, 
you know, not, not being able or not thinking that they're progressing as fast as they want or, or they don't think it's, it's cut out for them. Is it, is it patience? Is it, you know, harder work? Is it more focus? What do you suggest for them? It's patience. It's, it's more patience than anything because social media can paint a picture that everybody's successful now. Yeah. That's the highlight reel, man. Yeah. So it's patience. So sometimes you, you feel rejected. Like, why does not me? Why does not this? But you don't know what type of situations people are in. Even though they're posting selfies doesn't mean they got paid. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yep. Doesn't mean they can pay their bills and certain things. So it's, it's more patience than anything, especially when you know you're putting in the, the, the amount of work. Right. And, and, and do something to separate yourself. What I mean by that is don't, you know, you don't have to be funny acting or not be somebody that's not approachable or somebody that people can talk to and come to. But make sure you separate yourself. Like I tell guys all the time in Chicago, it's great that you guys are unified and all this stuff, but you don't want to sound alike either. Right. Because if you all are sounding alike, if you all are bringing the same approach or, or trying to think the same, then what would make you more special to the next guy? Why would I pick him? What would he have a little bit more edge? And you, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would just tell him not to give up. Just keep fighting. It was a fight. It was a fight for me. And it's still a fight to this day. But it was a fight, really more of a fight for me um, coming up. Just just fighting for scraps, just whatever people would give me, you know, whatever. If it was like a, um, a, a evening church service or a, um, a banquet or whatever I could do, whatever I could bring my drums and play and express myself, man, I, I was doing it. And I, I wasn't worried about money. I wasn't worried about any of that stuff. I just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And um, so you got to keep fighting. Just don't don't give up the fight. If that's really in your heart and what you really want to do, you got you to gotta keep pushing. I think that's a struggle, too, to find... To to see everyone on Instagram and on YouTube and all these other social platforms that are all sounding the same, it's difficult to not sound like them. Yeah, because you think that's the status quo, right? And I, I and I also think like if there were four videos online, like there was back in the day when you actually had to go out and buy a VHS, like exactly. if there was a video of Steve Gadd, Vinny Calyuta, Dave Weckl, you know, and Billy Cobham, like. Okay, well, I got to figure out how to get something unique out of, you know, these four guys and and take all the stuff that I'm learning. But now it's just sort of like, this is what's popular. Everyone should play this kind of thing. And, you know, it gets it gets everybody should approach music this way. And that's not that's not the way, you know, everybody's not every situation you go into. It's not going to allow you to have a platform like some artists does. Some some artists allow the drummers to have a platform. Some doesn't. Right. Mm hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to you have to be mindful of what you're getting yourself into. But if you want to work and make money and take care of your family and friends, you can't you can't be so worried about the shallow things of attention for yourself and uh, you know using certain things to broadcast yourself and get next to the artist to take selfies to make people feel like you're in. You know mm-hmm. and they should be like you. You know you have to be careful with that. Yeah, you know it's funny that you say that about taking pictures and selfies with you know like through the podcast I've met you know all of my heroes and hung out with them and go to all these shows and backstage and all this stuff. And I never take pictures. And Mm -hmm. because I don't want it to, I'm like, I don't want it to seem like I'm going to use this picture to brag or something like that. But now looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I had some of these pictures. Well, yeah, just for my own personal, you want to do it for your own personal (laughs) things, you know, show your kids and all the other stuff, you know, whatever. Like for me, I have so much more of my life that I, that I live that I don't post about. Right. And that's only because I this just not who I am. Am right. I starting to post more and more videos because I know people want to hear me? Yes. I, I want to get more into that because I, you know, want to give people, you know, so they can see both sides and be more transparent with, you know, the people who follow my drama, you know, whoever that may be. Right. But um, yeah, you want to have that stuff for your own personal record store. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll start taking some more pictures. <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely. So what's what's the best way um, for people to to follow you? Get you know to keep in keep uh, keep up with what you got going on. Is it Instagram or Are you Facebook? Uh, Instagram, but it's really it's really Instagram. So uh, Instagram T John T J O H N V A R O T John Varro. Um, on that's the that's the Instagram. I'm not really a, a big Twitter person. My Facebook is. Tavares Varro Johnson. So T-A-V-A-R-I-I-U-S-V-A-R-O-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. And I'll take all those profiles and everything I'll uh, I'll link up to in the show notes so people can find it. I'm sure that they're already following you, but if they're not, uh, they can go on there and, and they can find you and they can link up and they can hear all the stuff that you're that you're doing and all the, the good information that you're putting out there. So I'll be sure to link that up. And Vara, I want to thank you uh, again for for uh, for being on here, for taking the time to chat, for for spreading all of this positivity in the drumming world, and also for dealing with my lack of ability to do math and time zone conversions. Oh, no problem. At all. <laughs> thank, thanks for having me. I, like I say, I'm humbled, I, and I appreciate you the consideration even wanting to interview me. And I, this has been a great time talking with you and sharing. I hope I've shared some things that can enlighten, help, and help somebody out in the world that's, you know, trying to do the same thing that we're all out here. Reaching one goal, yep. play music. That's it, man. That's it. And you've definitely, uh, you definitely brought some positivity to the show. So I appreciate it. And uh, I will be talking to you soon. Absolutely, man. Can't wait to um, see how everything and, and everything comes together. So just let me know. Keep me posted. I definitely will. Varo, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. So there you have it, the one and only Varo Johnson. I hope you got some inspiration out of that. I hope you got some takeaways and I hope it is going to motivate you to go out and actually use some of the stuff that we talk about in your practicing, in your in your playing, in your life, in your approach, because if not, then what's the point? I always say too much learning and a lot of doing will turn you into an over-motivated underachiever. So actually get out there and do that stuff. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening and happy new year. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.